following discussion is not necessarily the views of all involved. The goal is to start open and honest discussion in the Christian worldview. Like all things, weigh what you hear with what you know and join us in our pursuit for the truth. Enjoy the podcast. I don't get it. It's like Colton's academic ironically. <laughs> Philemon's name means the one who kisses. Kissing me. <laughs> Hey man, before you had toasters, you needed the slave. Whoa, whoa! All right, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Second Rate Saints podcast. Um, I am your, well, not really your host or anything, but I'm Caleb, and to my left is. I'm Joel. Um, and to my left is. I'm Colton, and to my left. Joshua. And to my left. Full circle, I'm Caleb again. Colton. Yes. You read books. I, I watched do. you read a book recently. Mm-hmm. What did you read? This is my book, actually, but what did you read? <laughs> I read uh, the book Forgotten Heavens, uh, which is six essays on cosmology. It's a book by uh, six authors, each who write a different essay. Uh, Douglas Wilson is the main one. He does the intro as well. Now, this book is very interesting. It's a biblical overview of how cosmology works in a non-materialist worldview. Sorry yes. to interrupt. What is cosmology? Study of the heaven, of the heavens, of the world. Um, okay. Reality, essentially. Okay. Um, when it comes to the Bible, it has to do with like how the world is structured, especially in relation to God. Yeah. Um, if I'm, am I yeah, giving no, you a weird look? Um, no, you're fine. Okay. I like being fine. Um, like, kind of. You're good. <laughs> Each of the essays covers, uh, starts with things like, is the world, uh, what are angels? Where do angels inhabit? What dominion do they have? Describes them. Uh, it also goes into a description of magic and how that works in the Bible, oh, therefore the world. Really? Oh, That's it's, great. It's wild. And then whether or not satyrs... Leviathans, stuff like that exists because they're mentioned in the Bible. Lilith. Where's a satyr mentioned in the Bible? A few times in Ezekiel. Yeah. Oh. Um, um, yep. Colton finished the book. I did. Uh, so I'm doing my biblical theology on cosmology. That's why yeah. I bought this book. Because it's very cheap. And, well, it was, it's cheaper now than when I bought it. I got two chapter, chapters in and then said, nope, this is not useful at all. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. It's super useful. Mm. If, if you couldn't get from my tone of voice and probably other people's tones of voice, I don't think the book is very good. <laughs> that was a very um, reined-in comment by Colton, considering everything else he said off podcast. I don't get it. It's like Colton's academic, ironically. You know? It's like, he's like, hey, this book sucks. I'm going to be an expert in it. That's true. <laughs> well, it's funny because it, it's got... It's got three reviews on Amazon, yeah, and all, all five are five out of five. Really? All, all of them are five out of five. Yeah. Do, you, do you think it's because actual experts in cosmology are just like, I'm not giving this the time of day to write a review on it? Yeah. 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 Well, one of the... If mm-hmm. I can say something in the first two chapters, Absolutely. I can try. Um, it does just presuppose that we should understand the biblical cosmology... At face value, and then don't try to realize how that can harmonize at all, if it can or can't, 
with what we know of actual material cosmology. So any material claims that are made in the biblical text in regard to their view of the material universe are just supposed to be accepted at face value. So stars are angels. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You're getting ahead of yourself. Okay, fine, fine. Because, yes, I, I don't want to be too harsh on this book because I do. it's not awful. Okay, it's pretty bad. But... Um, <laughs> Does it still feel academic, though? Because a lot of no. times you get it. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, one, of, one of the big problems I have with this book is that it's it feels like it was six people who just sat down and wrote it. It doesn't feel like people who know what they're talking about and have studied for a while have written it. it it's okay. it's as if I was writing a first-year Bible college oh, paper. essay. Oof. Which is interesting. It, it actually, what they said did bring some stuff into light. Not all of it like, is, all, is bad. And, like, one of those classes that's, like, reflection only. Yeah. Like, you don't cite your sources. It's just, like, what do you think the text is saying? Well, yeah. One of the one of the issues, the reason I say it's not great is because it's not just looking at, a, a, like Caleb said, a, a face value worldview of the Bible. It takes that and then applies it to things like the Apocrypha and the uh, Pseudepigrapha or whatever suits their narrative and yeah. doesn't look at anything that counters it. So it holds that the Apocrypha would be the... It informs, Inspired? yeah, no, it's, oh, okay. it's this idea that it informs because okay. it understands what the world was like back then. That okay. kind of idea. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I know. Um, You're saying Enoch understands what the world was like yep. back then. It mentions Enoch quite a few times. Oh, man. Uh, one of the big things that Caleb did talk about is that it asserts, one of the authors heavily asserts, not implies, it asserts yeah. that stars are literally angels. Okay. Um, that satyrs literally exist, but we just choose to ignore it because the NIV is bad. Um, Lilith is a real thing because it's mentioned in the Apocrypha and yeah. then possibly in Ezekiel. That I kind of thing. I hate to tell you this, Josh. The magic one's not bad. The main guy is part of the Reformed tradition. I just... He is. He, he, I, here's the thing. I know you grab like all the good authors and you say, see, they're part of my tradition. I just, I just need to balance it out. Okay, okay let me... Um, what do you mean by he's a part of the Reformed tradition? He's because you. the... Don't. <laughs> um, because we don't agree with anything that this guy has said. <laughs> um, the Seder thing has got me now, so I'm going to It's be very interesting, actually. After this podcast? Um, it's on the he's same part line of that the lowest part is. Just says that he's a reformed. He's a legend. Yes. I don't know. This is a that's, a, that's a great um, credential to have. To just say, I'm a reformed theologian. Well, I don't know. He was shut out by R.C. Sproul, so. <sighs> Here's the thing. I don't like Wait, he's been noticed by Sproul? Yeah, Christianity <laughs> well, Today. He's an interesting guy. Here's the thing. He's not entirely insane, which is weird why the book is so off the walls. So, well, like. off the Okay. The first chapter is certainly a bit more out there than the rest of them. And the last one's a bit strange, too. Um, however, the whole book isn't like. Look at this crazy theory. They've been hiding the truth from you. Although, again, the last chapter is kind of like that. Um, unironically. Okay. The one that's on magic, the second to last one, is not actually that bad. It really just lists okay. what magic is mentioned in the Bible, what As. it would mean in the past, and then moves on. Mm -hmm. Oh, divination. Different types of divination. Oh, there's this necromancy that happens with Samuel. What does that mean? I don't know. Mm -hmm. And then it just moves on it only lists it it doesn't actually make any real assertions about it which i yeah. thought was not amazing because you yeah. know it just means that i feel like if you don't know any of the stuff in the bible in terms of magic like yeah. what's mentioned the divination the uh 
uh, augury, all that that's mentioned, especially Old Testament, it does it is helpful Cat. for understanding it because Cat. it just lists it. Cat. The Which is of, useful. Yes, that's, that's super useful. Mm-hmm. However, the rest of the book you have to get through to get to it, and the rest of the book makes some crazy claims that are anti-material, not non-materialist, anti-materialist. It, even in the intro, it takes this idea that anything that we believe is physical about the world is not enough. The, the world is alive. It says this in the introduction. The world is alive. We look at the wind and we say it's, we could just say it's just atoms, but we know it's more than that. That kind of thing. We can yeah. look at, we it, can look at a war- Hamlet yeah. and say it's just ink on paper, but it's more than that. Well, it, it, it part of it gets with, into like the wind actually is the breath of God. Yeah. The Bible says it, therefore it has to be. Yeah. And I, so the book kind of kind of goes along with that yeah yeah um the the star that comes down and guides the the magi yeah was an angel that came into the atmosphere because it's described as an angel which is true but therefore all stars are angels which yeah then whether or not that case specifically are you more convinced that an angel is moving around the sky or that a star is moving around the sky it could be both i don't know yeah like it's probably one or the other yeah, but, <laughs> but, but an angel that looks like a star. I, I'm not sure the biblical text was ever meant to be a textbook on cosmology is the thing. Not all the time, no. Which is funny. I actually, you know what? That's the first time where I'm like, I'm not sure if I agree with you on that. Okay. Because it does. It does, it does make assertions. The, um, existence of all things. I think it right? uses that presupposition of their understanding. Like, we got into this a bit in our Genesis podcast. And we'll be, uh, I guess I'll be getting deep into this when I do my large biblical theology um it uses the understanding of those times and the development of that understanding across um time starting back in um hittites and all of that and then moving forward to to the greeks and that changes and it uses that culture's understanding to communicate truths and principles about cosmology about the created order but it i don't think it backs those that framework in which it makes those claims that's my understanding. Sure. Um, in terms of cosmology in the Bible, there are certain assertions that the Bible does make about it, but they're not usually about the nature of the universe. Not not in terms of like, it does so in terms of purpose sometimes, but not really in terms of... Yeah. So teleological, not cosmological claims. Is that what you're saying? Kind of. Uh, but the cosmology itself is informed. Like the tele- I would go more about ontological. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I would yeah. too. Yeah. No, those are a bunch of words Big that words. people are going to have to look up. But anyway, as there the exists, not as their purpose. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. nature of being. Mm-hmm. Um, in essence, for this book, it's not good. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't like saying that things aren't good because I think that everything has some level of value. That's why I don't want to be too harsh on the on the magic one. That one's actually pretty interesting. However, the rest of the book seems detrimental to learning rather than helpful. It undoes a lot of ideas about the world because it makes counterclaims that to the world, and it potentially puts um, makes us look stupid too. Makes us, yeah. Um, <laughs> you're now, right. Here's the thing: I like that he wrote something on it because mm-hmm. it does contribute to the field, even if it's not a great opinion. Well, mm-hmm. one of um, one of the issues I'm pretty sure that this book is it's like through a publishing company, but it's like self edited, self whatever, because there's yeah. a lot of spelling mistakes. And I'm not, the, I'm not the only one who has uh, seen this. And even in reviews, some people mention it. Yeah. Um, but the book seems to be like something they wanted to get forward, but other people were not super keen on. They also, in the introduction, they shoot down 
people that disagree with them. If you don't mm-hmm. agree with me in this, well, you're not really honest to the Bible. It's yep. like, whoa, buddy. You're not taking a whole Bible yep. approach. Yeah. You're taking, yeah. taking like the world's view and then applying the Bible to it rather than the other way around. Well, that's mm. an issue you get with a lot of these guys who are on one end of the extreme or the other is mm-hmm. oftentimes they're not willing to actually engage the opposite side of the argument or even the middle of the argument because they see him as like, you know, sitting on the fence, right? Yeah. Um, so we found this even with that uh, hermeneutics book we mm. worked through, right? Yeah. A lot of people were very willing to take radical opinions just because they it meant they weren't sitting on the fence, mm-hmm. right? So I don't know if it's like the demonization of the fence that has caused people to go so far in one way or the other, but... Uh, just to have an opinion. Well, yeah, just to have some kind of strong opinion, yeah. Yeah, well, the, the book asserts like it's taking a biblical worldview, and then a few pages later, it will assert that the wisdom of Solomon has some authoritative thing to say about demons, that kind of thing. Are you um, talking the... the- the wisdom, the book. The book, the, the apocryphal. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. the wisdom found in Solomon's writings. Yeah. The actual wisdom of Solomon book. Which is is one of the books that was kept out of the Bible on purpose. Yes. Yeah. You know, because even the Jews did not find it authoritative. Yeah. And it's ta- it's the much of the book is like that. Not all of it. When it talks about hierarchy, biblical hierarchy with angels and stuff in the Bible, it takes a lot of liberties with it. Like what yeah. does an archangel mean? Well, I think it's this. But it's not like anti-biblical. It's more it's assertions about cosmology and the nature of angels. There's a bit of eisegesis with those moments. Yeah, it takes yeah. it takes ideas like um, what Daniel talks about, about like the prince of Persia and mm-hmm. like how Michael was in charge of Israel kind of thing. And then mm-hmm. takes it like four steps far. Okay. Yeah. But it's not awful. It's, it's just the book itself seems not super like it's not useful for really anything. <laughs> except um, for the magic stuff except for understanding that kind of worldview yeah yeah but it's not something i would ever recommend for someone if they want to learn more about angels. so so on our review page on the mm-hmm. website you would give it a one out of five i give it a 1.5 out of five okay will you be, the I'll be because that magic one's actually not bad okay i'll be guilting you into making a, a review, review of that absolutely yes. okay. well check check it out on our website we'll have a book review for that Shortly. Soon, yeah. I can't wait for that one to compete with The Unseen Realm by Heiser. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just to see. Now I have to read that. Heiser's just like going to blow it out of the water. Yeah. But he makes some wild claims um, himself. He also has as a like a shorter thing. version that he specifically wrote to pastors. Which Interesting. Is really yeah, his book, Supernatural, is The Unseen Realm, but in a more condensed and okay. practical view. And you finished that book? No. Oh, no okay. I'm, I'm we'll, only about halfway through it. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it on the podcast at some point. Oh, yeah, it'll, it'll be coming up, but it's very similar in content. Yeah, because I think the three of us own it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And in terms of biblical worldviews of worldly things, uh, we're going to get into the book of Philemon, which talks a little bit about the nature, yeah. not really the nature of slavery, but Christian perspectives within that idea. Yeah. So today's episode is on Philemon. Um, which I don't Phi- think we've said yet, have we? <laughs> no. <laughs> no this is the this is the intro. Um, You're hoping for something else too bad. Yeah. Um, so. Philemon is a very short book. It's mm-hmm. the second or third shortest. I think mm. it's third John. It's the shortest in the New Testament, isn't it? It's the shortest of Paul's letters by I think, forever. I think third John. Right. I think it's right, the second. Right, right. I think it's the second it shortest. Third John and second John smaller. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. It's one of the small books. Yeah, it's very small. It's a single letter sent to a single guy about a very specific issue. It's very much unlike the rest of Paul's writing. Yeah. Um, but uh, we thought we would get into it because we did... Uh, Galatians. Galatians. 
and Galatians, Paul does a very good job at talking, challenging people on specific issues. And both of these books are very good at Paul tackling a specific issue and telling the person, hey, don't. Well, it's, it's interesting because with, the, Gal- with yeah. the Galatians, there's a social issue that's going on. And yeah. he applies, okay, so this is the gospel. How does yeah. it affect that social right. issue? In the same way, there's a social issue that's going on yeah. here. How does the gospel affect that issue? Yeah. And so I think both of those books, Galatians exactly. has a lot more formulated yes. version of it. Yeah. And Philemon is to at least a specific person, maybe to a family group, may have been read in the church. Yeah. We'll talk about right. that. Yeah. Um, but it is far more limited. Yeah. Um, it even... Um, so it is 25 verses long. Mm-hmm. There are many chapters in the Bible that are longer yeah. than Philemon. Um, and it's so because of that, it has a very simple outline. There's a simple greeting. There's a bit of thanksgiving about Philemon's character. Um, the person who he's Paul's writing to, mm-hmm. um, an appeal on behalf of a man named Onesimus. Uh, Paul then tells Philemon that he plans to visit him after some time in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a final greeting. Uh, and that is the entire book. Um, it's very short and pretty personal as well. Yes, very personal. And that's because it's talking about a guy named Onesimus. Uh, to a guy named Philemon. To a guy named Philemon. Uh, Paul is writing it on the behalf of Onesimus. Who is Philemon? Philemon. He is a resident of a city called Colossae. I hoped I pronounced that right. Colossae. Colossae. There That's we go. I've heard it pronounced, but I have no idea. The, it's the it's the same play, uh, same church that the book of Colossians was written to. Exactly. That's correct. Um, and we'll get into the history specifically more about the relationship with Philemon, but he's at least a Christian from that area. So it looks like Paul has met him before. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's thought that he's that Paul probably converted him yep. either... Mm-hmm. Um, some I read some were thinking either in Colossae mm-hmm. or during a trip to, uh, to, to Ephesus. Because yeah, Ephesus was only 90 miles away from Colossae. Yep. Yeah. Um, Yes, um, and he is, yeah, so that's who Paul's writing to, um, and he is writing on the behalf of a man named Onesimus, who is a slave mm-hmm. of Philemon's, um, which is an interesting situation to be caught in, comparative to yep. the modern day. Um, it has some historic, Yeah, this book was used historically in very interesting ways. Yes. We'll get into it, I'm sure. Yeah, yes. I think that'll come more at the, the yeah. tail end there. The end. But it, just so we get ahead of this right now, it should be noticed that slavery then is very different than slavery in America today. Um, today? Hold sorry. on. Whoa. Sorry. Whoa. Sorry. Sorry. Slavery today. Yeah. <sighs> I'm so sorry. Do you want me to go over? I can go over some weird statistics about Roman slavery. Sure. Okay. 16 to 20% of the Roman population was slaves. Okay. During that time. Okay. Um, that sucks. It was common for sla- uh, for slaves who were like born into slavery. Yeah. It was not massively common, but it was common enough for yeah. people to grow up and buy their own slavery out. Yep. Um, didn't matter about your skin color. Nope. Um, Which is that, well, the, the buying your own slavery out is one of the biggest significant differences. Yeah. Yes. In well, certain certain areas of the empire, it's much harder to yeah. do. Yeah. What were you going to say, Colton? Well, one of the interesting things that I came across in my research is that Rome had a lot of slaves... One of the reasons they put forward is because they conquered so much land so yeah. quickly um, yeah. that they and they didn't 
execute everybody. They didn't put them all to death. They just put them into slavery, which, quote unquote, is more humane, now, which it was back put then. put them into slavery, at least with the, I think it's Ionian Greeks, they would have slaves mostly owned by the town. It wouldn't be um, really? individual households. Not by Romans. That wasn't that carried in Romans? Romans? Okay. okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, you might have seen that in some in places. Greek towns under the Roman Empire, but I can't think of any examples of that in my head. Okay. That's not how Pliny the Younger and whatnot did stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so, Anisimus, specifically, so two things to notice about these characters is their names are significant to what Paul, uh, Paul talks about in the text, and we'll get into that later. Yep. But Philemon's name means friendly, or the one who kisses. Um, by like that meaning <laughs> a friendly kiss. It was so funny looking through the notes when Josh wrote that down. We're like, we need some explanation, please. Yeah, it's it's uh, Kissy, a kiss was at the time uh, a sign of like friendship or greeting. Um, think about today in specific like Latin handshake. areas where people do the kiss on the cheek. No, Paul even still in other places greeted one another with a brotherly yeah, kiss. Yeah. Exactly. Um, It'd be very similar to a handshake today. Yeah. Pre COVID. <laughs> yes. Pre COVID and yeah. Um, and Onesimus's name specifically means profitable, but can mean useful. And that term specifically comes up. The poll yep. makes a an analogy there. Um, and so that's our introduction into the characters. Um, that being said, do we want to... Yeah, let's go a little... like Because those characters, the way they interact yeah. before the book yeah. matters a lot. Yes. Um, a lot of people have yeah, tried to... Yeah, a lot of people have tried to reconstruct exactly what's going on there there's a lot of theories about specifics but in general we can kind of get the gist of it um even though it's only 20 was it 25 25 we can get a very general idea of what's going on technically only uh 13 of the verses are on what he's writing everything else is greetings final greetings thanksgivings Mm -hmm. well it's interesting because it still does follow the common letter writing format for yes. the day yeah yep um especially just, paul's format yeah but but specifically just generic letter writing yeah, of sure. that time it follows that to a t it is a first century letter yep the introduction uh praising of the god or mm-hmm. gods stuff uh, the like the actual body of content and yep. then farewell greeting and that kind of stuff it follows it to the t paul's paul writes in his day yeah <laughs> um so Onesimus, um, or however it's pronounced, to be honest with you, I'm probably just going to continue to say Onesimus. Me too. Um, Onesimus was the slave of Philemon. Philemon was likely converted, as we already mentioned, either in Colossae or in Ephesus. uh, Ephesus. However, um, he was likely a a big part of the the church in Colossae. And for whatever reason, whether... Onesimus ran away like a runaway slave trying to escape his master, which has yep. been common in throughout the church history. Um, he pro- what's thought in that story is that he stole money to survive yep. off of and then ran away, uh, found Paul in Rome, was either captured or just found him. And they, they met in the same cell block and he became a Christian and he was They're useful. prison buddies. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is crazy because he would have like... If Paul was there before, there's a chance that he knew Paul from when his master mm-hmm. was converted. And then yeah. he just happened, either he went there 
specifically because he knew where Paul was, well, or well, he just that's, that's the other happened. That's the other theory. Yeah. The other theory is yeah. that, and this this is actually common in that day. Mm-hmm. Um, if a slave had an issue with a master, yeah, um, they would run to a friend, a benefactor of that master. Um, and they would try to act. They would try to get that friend to act yeah. as a mediator, yeah. and that was a, that was a common of enough experience in the in that day and age. I've I've seen uh, a few commentators also mention that if it was something that he did wrong, it was pro- like slaves back in the day could be in charge of a lot of different things. They could be in the fields. They could be in charge of household finances. Yeah. If yeah. he was in charge of some business or whatever, and then failed and ran to Paul, that could also be a, an option. Yeah. Yep. And that's and that's. Potential because the the word used doulos, which we'll get into later, is also servant, which is what we should have been saying this whole time. Is yeah, servant, because again, but, it aligns yeah. closer with our idea. You said they would well, be important in the household, right? Um, even to the point of mentoring their child up into the point of accountability. Yes, um, if that was their task. If he did run away, task, yeah. like yes, they had a higher stance, and it's very different than slavery in. Uh, 20th century and 19th century North America. Mm-hmm. Um, Philemon probably, depending on how it was artic- depending exactly how it happened, but he did have the legal right to kill his runaway slave. Yes, like it's, it's not. Yeah, you know, the, the 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 modern moral sense or the Christian moral sense aside, in the time according to the laws of the nations. Yeah, he had the right. Yeah, Christian morality would say don't. Yes, yes, <laughs> but but and and yeah. slavery was still very different than previous. But yeah. that was still in Roman law. Yeah. Um, so Onesimus either is converted to Christianity um, upon being imprisoned with Paul or approaching Paul. Um, and then Paul finds him useful and helpful, which he comments later on in, in, in the yeah. actual text. And then when he sends the letter to Colossae, uh, Colossians, um, he sends Philemon with him. And so that's why you see that reference to Philemon in Colossians 4.9. That uh, and with him, I think. Who does he send with Onesimus? Um, uh, Tacitus. T- uh, I can't remember. Uh, Tacitus. Tacitus. Yeah. yeah. Tacitus. I can't. Yeah, because Tacitus is taking several letters. Yeah. He takes several letters for Paul. Yeah. Um, and and Onesimus goes with him, and so it would appear as though Philemon was likely carried with uh, Colossians, either by Tacitus or Onesimus himself. Yeah. And then given either to the church or, I think personally, more likely given to Philemon himself. Um, yeah, and so that's the background of what's mm-hmm. going on there. Um, one of our Bible school profs, actually, uh, Joel and I, uh, in a course that we're, we're taking, um, argued that Philemon would have been read out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not totally sold on it. Well, it would have been read out loud. He would have said it would have been it would have been read out loud, um, like initially? in front of the whole church. Initially, yeah. When it first arrived at the church, they would read it to everybody. Yes. Okay. Um, I mean, that's based off of the idea. Is it Galatians that calls it a specific issue? Yeah. Um, that Paul would just kind of throw things that needed to be dealt with on the side of his like theological works as well. No, this right? isn't. This was in an offhanded comment in pastoral epistles, where he said, "Oh, also." This also happened in yeah, Philemon. Okay. Yeah, no. um, where it's just like, Paul has no problem calling out stuff in yeah. the, the church at large yeah. in the congregation. And that's true, because he does just name drop yeah. stuff in First and Second yeah. Timothy. And like he's thinking that he would just name drop yeah. um, 
Philemon. But then in there. To Joel's point, if that's the case, then he could have just added it as a the last issue onto Colossians. Right. But he didn't. I think yeah. That's where yeah. that's where okay. I'm thinking. Also like, also rich families, yeah. which if he is a large member in the Colossians yeah. church, um who owned slaves, yep. he likely had um all of his letters read to him, which many, many business yeah. owners, many um, government officials, they would have a designated slaves that would read and things that's to them. Ironic. Yeah. That's the the anumensis thing, or was that just only for transcribing? That wasn't for reading. I think. Well, a lot of people did both. Okay. Yeah, at least in my in that my is studies. very ironic that a slave is reading a letter <laughs> to a master from another guy saying, "Hey, free your slave." Yeah. I won't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. <laughs> He might be saying that. He might not yeah. be. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. You're saying this is all just a ploy from the messenger who forged Paul's signature. Finally, <laughs> finally, yeah. sends a letter back. You're putting me out of business. Yeah. This letter was written by Onesimus. <laughs> oh, very wild claim yeah. there. Hmm. But um, something else that should be noted is that this is near the end of Paul's life. Kind of. He's he's imprisoned. Um. No, we don't know. Yes. <laughs> Lots it's, of people it's either, say it's in Rome. Um, I've, yeah, I've heard different. Yeah, than. lots of people demand it's in Rome, and it's not entirely clear. His tone is that he's going to be released. Um, yes, and so I don't. We might disagree on that. Mm. No, like <laughs> by by end of his life. Yeah, it could be within. Uh, you know, him in Rome. Same, roughly the same time of him writing to Timothy, mm. in Second Timothy, right before he practically dies. But uh, practically, practically. <laughs> he's beheaded. <laughs> yeah, for all intents and purposes, he is. Well, you're dead. you're assuming a lot. You know, you never know. Dead to the flesh, that is. <laughs> anyway, um, I like these jokes. <laughs> uh, Colton, what was the point you were making? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Paul's in prison. It could be during hit like near the end of his life or slightly before that. Um, but either way, he's Paul's also in, like. In his own straits, when he's in a captive, and he meets this runaway slave who might also have been captured as well. Yeah, that kind of idea. That so, roughly around the time of Paul writing this, he's also kind of in. Well, he is, he's well, he's a prisoner. He says so in yep. in in the first verse. Um, I don't think it necessarily has to be above, um, right at the end of his life, but. That's sure. just me. Uh, it has to be dated along with Colossians, and Colossians has, a, as far as I'm aware, a wide dating. So, yeah. and when mm. when Paul mentions in the book that he's an old man, it could be he could be really old, or he could be slightly less really old. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But his tone is that he's going to be released, and so it's mm. arguable. Arguably, this is the same imprisonment that Tim, that First Timothy takes place, and yeah. then you'd have to discuss whether or not he's actually released between First Timothy and Second Timothy, which church history and massive yep. discussion and beyond this. Yeah. Yep, fair enough, Colton. <laughs> anyway, would we yeah. like to get into the book itself? Yeah. To read it, now that we've got some background down. Should we? Yeah. Okay. We are going to read, for the first time, a whole book of the Bible. Yeah. Um, who's who's going to be doing that? Me? You? You I picked up a Bible like you were going to do it. Uh, you handed me the Bible like I was going to do it. Oh. I'll do it. Okay. 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 Do you want me to? I'll do it. <laughs> no, Josh can do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here we go. The letter of Paul to Philemon. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, 
to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all of the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though, I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required. Yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I have become in my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would rather, I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be my compulsion, but of your own accord. For this purpose is for this per, perhaps, but for this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have, have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me in your part, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he, was, if he has wronged you at all or owes me anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your own owing me, even you. Whoa, Whoa okay, I'm going to start that over. Uh, I, I, Paul write this with my own hand i will repay it to say nothing of your owing me even your own so whoa. you want me to get shot you want me to give it a try yeah you read verse 19 and i'll start up on verse 20 i'll just finish it up okay yeah yeah go ahead i paul write this with my own hand i will repay it to say nothing of your you owe you're owing me even your own self yes brother i want some benefit from you in the lord refresh my heart in christ Confident in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Ooh, that's a name. Epheras. Epaphras. Epaphras. Put me in, I got it. (laughs) My fellow prisoner in Jesus Christ sends greetings to you and... Colton, what? Sorry, no, I'm just looking at all the names that you're going to have fun. And so do Mark Artriscus, Aristarchus, Aristarchus, that's good. That's a good name. Demis and Luke, my fellow workers, and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be with your spirit. It's crazy that Mark and Luke stuck around, but Aristarchus, 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 what about Demis, Tacticus, (laughs) that's a real name. Yep. That's the letter of Philemon. Short and sweet. Gets to the point. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. So there are significant words that are in that letter. 
um, that we highlighted. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we touched on them all. No. Earlier. Uh, well, some of, some of those words uh, are important for understanding exactly the condition of what Paul's talking about, as well as the language he uses. When Paul calls himself a prisoner, because he physically is a prisoner, yeah. uh, not just a prisoner of the Lord, although that's how he opens with. He yeah. opens with, he is a prisoner of the Lord, but also I'm a prisoner, prisoner for the Lord. For the Prisoner the Lord. of the Lord. <laughs> right. Um, other, in other places, he will say prisoner of the Lord. Okay. Interesting. But in this one, he says for. Yeah. Well, prisoner, the word for this is desmios, which just means a captive, someone who is in bound in bounds, that kind of thing. Um, this is different than the word slave, which is doulos. Uh, this is what it's applied to uh, anismus. I, I'm not going to pronounce it five different ways. <laughs> I mean, you'll notice in the ESV, which we were reading from, he did say bond servant rather he than does. slave. Yeah, yeah. that so. was interesting. Um, a lot of people do change slave to be bond servant or servant for the same reasons we've applied before, that it's easier on the ears for modern readers, as well as it kind of contextualizes the book in slightly different ways. But doulos could mean a slave, a literal or figurative slave, uh, involuntary or voluntary, uh, frequently, therefore, a qualified sense of subjection or sur- subserviency. Um, this is a slave, a bondman, uh, a, an attendant, a servant. Um, most likely here it does mean the Roman slave, mm-hmm. um, not just a figurative slave to Christ kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and the brother... Uh, Adelphos, the word for brother, is applied to uh, as a relationship kind of between Paul and uh, and Philemon, that he's his brother in Christ. Well, it's, it's interesting because he, he introduces um, himself as, I'm a bondservant for Christ, I'm, though different phraseology, mm-hmm. and that's true. Josh has pointed that out yeah. multiple times. Um, but it's that's an interesting term. But then the, the term that's used the same is um, Paul calls Philemon a brother, but then he introduces, yeah, but so is Onesimus over here. He's a brother in Christ too. So what does that, what does that mean for the equality of things? I love the nullification of superiority that he has. Yeah. Yeah. It's very good. But, but he still applies it when he's telling Philemon, I'll command you. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. He says, Yeah. yeah, I'm asking you, please do this. Welcome him like a brother, not like a slave. And brother here, um, is used quite a lot in the Bible, but it just means, a brother, whether born of the same two parents or this only uh, one father or one mother, uh, having the same ancestor. Basically, the idea of like uh, your close friend, someone who's very close to you. Yeah. Yeah. Inseparable um, connectedness, yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, most, I think most often even in the Bible, it's mostly like this brother in Christ, this, yeah. this person who is, yeah. you have been adopted into sonship, so have they, your brothers, that kind of idea. Yeah, because yeah, you see that in his introduction. From Paul, yep. a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, brother. to Philemon. Yep. Yeah. There's also this interesting father-son thing that uh, Paul does with Anismus, although that's a different entire... We'll get into that. Yeah. That's usually when Paul refers to somebody that he's specifically taken under his wing yep. mm-hmm. as like a student. He says it for in both Timothys. Yeah. Both books of Tim- and and Titus. I, I can't remember. confirm that he uses that terminology. Actually, I, you know what? I have a computer in front of me. I can. It does, actually. Well, quickly, an- another thing that... My oh. genuine... Yeah, so to Titus, my genuine son in the common faith. Right. In the intro. Yeah. Which is interesting. Um, 
that he applies this to Anismus. Seems like he's leveraging a lot of what he says. <laughs> he doesn't leverage his position, which is interesting, because a lot of the uh, epistles start with, I am an apostle, I am, yeah. or this is my station, this is where I'm coming from, this is the same Paul who came to you, that kind of thing. Um, this one doesn't have that. It just says, from Paul. Yeah. Um, well, it appears as though he is specifically not yes, yeah, exactly. using his apostolic authority. And he's telling Philemon that he's not. Mm-hmm. I could, but I'm not. Yeah, well, one and, of the things that it gets into that, is this read to the entire congregation kind of a little bit, is that it probably isn't supposed to be a dictatorial letter to, like, uh, much like the other epistles, which are more teaching and correcting, this one's more like a personal letter. Well, it seems as though Paul has sent this letter with Onesimus. Mm-hmm. Philemon reads it. And Paul is like, hey, so here's an interesting thing about the gospel and how it might affect yep. your life. Wink. Yeah. I won't tell you what to do. I could, but I won't. He's basically a son to me and your brother. Yeah. Here's the other thing. He doesn't reference the Old Testament at all, mm-hmm. which means he's also not arguing from Scripture. Yep. It's a natural outpouring of his life, right? Mm-hmm. Pouring, man, I can't speak. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. like, he's not um, He's not really heavy-handed other than... Uh, well, he has a couple backhanded things. Okay. Well, yes. There's, 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 uh, um, oh, where is it? I think it's, it's verse 19, I think is, uh, is the one that gets me, which is the one I I'll, we get tripped up on. Um, yep. I will repay it. He's talking about the, uh, the money that Onesimus may owe Philemon, but the whole thing is I'll repay the debt. Don't worry about it. Yeah. To say nothing that you owe me even yourself. Well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> Just remember, you yeah. owe me you. Yeah. Because I brought the gospel to you. You like, yeah. come on, I'm a I'm a big deal. I'm the apostle. Yeah. Anyway, but you yeah. should you should make this decision on your own account because of what God has brought you. Yeah. Well, and also like in the introduction, he does this thing where he's like, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your faith. And of your love for all saints. This guy's a brother. Um, (laughs) I pray that the faith you share with us, that this guy has, um, (laughs) may deepen your understanding of every blessing that belongs to you in Christ, that this guy also shares. (laughs) Yeah. On on that point, um, speaking of strange words, the word for... uh, Paul says, because uh, to Philemon, because you, brother... Again, there's that word, brother. Yeah. Have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Like, he's this important. The yeah. heart here is not the heart that normally is used. Like, cardia, yeah. where the word cardio comes from. Yeah. Um, it's a different word that's used very poetically as in, like, a deep gut feeling. Like, this deep emotional bond. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you've refreshed the hearts of people. Hey, he's refreshed the hearts of me. And maybe he'll refresh the heart of you, too. Not... not that you're mm-hmm. whatever, but this deep emotional thing. So he keeps appealing to these, this love, this connection, this uh, heart that they all share. And again, leveraging yeah. kind of not his position, but more his uh, greaterness. Well, it's, it's it's just the this is the gospel message. This is how is it affect. Yeah. This is how is it af- it has affected social mm-hmm. society. This is the family of God. So how is that going to change how you interact socially? Yeah, like. Which, which is interesting because with Galatians, he's far more heavy-handed, far more... Because it, it is talking about a very specific issue for the church at large mm-hmm. that's, yeah. having, that's being fractured and torn apart. But now this is like a one person interacting with another one person. 
Yes. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, I just find it interesting how well, and that, the I it's one of the he's not like quoting scripture. Like what I like about that is he doesn't need to because he tells him you already know. Like you're a stand-up guy with all these that knows what to do without saying you know what to do. Mm-hmm. He's just implying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. Like. Yeah. It's funny because there's two there's two ways that I've read commentators go on this. They'll either mm-hmm. go, this letter is to make sure that Philemon doesn't kill on Esmus, exactly. <laughs> or it's written so that. Onesimus feels safe to return to Philemon, even though it'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> and like those are the two extremes. Yeah, yeah, from from looking at the specific wording and phrasing that's used in here, it does seem kind of like Paul might even be like worried that he's going to kill Onesimus for what he's done. Yes, yeah. it's like please don't please like I know you, but like you know. He's my brother. He's your brother. Please don't kill him. By the way, I'm going to come visit you probably, hopefully. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> yeah. the kicker. Like, at the end, he's just like, whatever you choose to do, we're eventually going to talk about this again. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Isn't that weird that Paul just walked into Philemon's house and he's like, okay, what'll it be? <laughs> I'm not seeing Onesimus. So do I need to throw it out? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would have been a great conversation. But it it happened. I'm yeah. assuming, right? Yeah, if, if he, he got says, there. Because at the end, he says, like, hope you have a guest room for me because I'm coming into prison. <laughs> I'm, I'll be there. Yeah. But what if this is not when he gets out of prison? Yeah. And he died? Yeah. We don't know. Well, there's there's potential for who Onesimus could be. Yes. Um, actually, Onesimus is the uh, bishop of Ephesus. In same age of uh, Ignatius of Antioch, yeah. and Ignatius talks about him, um, and he's it's depending on the age. Um, yeah. Onesimus would have to be very young, like early teens, and then he'd be in his seventies at that point. Right. Yeah, but it's there is Onesimus who's a bishop well, in Ephesians in Ephesus, which is only ninety miles away from well, Colossae. Yep. For him to as a slave. Make it to Rome on a runaway. Or Ephesus. Or Ephesus. Yeah. 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 But arguably Rome. Oh, so you're saying it was more likely his imprisonment in like Well well No, but that's what I mean is like if he like for him to get so far, like as a runaway. Yes. Um from like he's got some he's he's a bit of a tough guy. Well yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's, it's definitely you know. yeah, it's definitely possible he went to Rome. From what I've yeah. seen is that a lot of people do attribute it to Ephesus more likely because yeah. He would like going to Paul. That's great, but if he was running to someone to be like that mediator we were talking about before, it would make more sense if he was closer rather than doing like another leader of the church that would be closer. In fairness, Paul is never referenced to being imprisoned in the city of Ephesus, right? But it could have been another one of the cities in his time through Asia Minor or through or through Greece. Like we don't really know. One of his Um, imprisonments. One of the just. This is, I know this is coming out of place, but just an argument against the idea that they met each other in prison. Paul's a Roman citizen. They wouldn't put them in the same prison cell anywhere close to each other. So that theory is just nothing. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. nice to think about, but that wouldn't happen. Yeah. But, yeah. It, I Personally, I favor Rome. Right. I, I do too because I think it. it doesn't necessarily make more sense because I think there's other factors that lean other ways, whatever. Um, however, it is like the most ex- like explicit imprisonment that 
is long-term kind of thing. In, in How common of a name was Onesimus, though? Is it is it possible? Just, just means useful. And apparently it was for a lot of slaves were called that. Yeah, well, That's the problem. Yeah. In all fairness as well, the whole idea that he got to Rome, slaves were often used also as letter couriers. It was not uncommon to see just a slave making his way in the Roman world, which is wild mm-hmm. that that yeah. could just happen. Yeah. But you... People had, it was a very different slave-master relationship. Yes. A lot of people sold themselves into slavery specifically because it would be more financially advantageous for them because the master would could then pay off their debt through work, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So I was looking up how common the name Onesimus is in the Bible. It's still used today. Yeah, yeah. but it was, really? sorry, how common as a slave and complete sidetrack. There's one article that says Paul Philemon Onesimus Brothers question mark <laughs> is it the <laughs> Wait, like, literal <laughs> approach <laughs> like how know. is this possible and it's you just like <laughs> uh, anyways uh, that's a fun side Bible doesn't say anything against it yeah I mean Paul probably had siblings we don't know mm-hmm. it probably wasn't relevant to it but you know yeah. probably wasn't Onesimus but I like <laughs> the providential case that Onesimus is the bishop because he's rep- like he like God knew he would be the bishop, so the story was included. It's entirely the spirit. Yeah, it's entirely possible. And you know, if he was personally knowing Paul, it yeah. would give him a lot of favor within the church himself itself. Yeah. yeah. Although okay, so, again, so it's a far we're fetch. saying he wasn't met in prison. Like they they didn't meet in prison. I don't think he. I don't okay. like not in an Onesimus was captured and thrown in the same prison cell. Right. He so would have approached probably. Paul, who was in prison at the time. How do you explain the he became my son while I was in prison? Paul was in prison. Onesimus was not. It would have been just they got, grew really close. Yeah. You could actually, the way people got food in Roman prison was people oh, brought yeah. food to them. It wasn't like a you can't approach yeah. the prison was, cells. Okay. Especially since so he was it, a citizen as well. And yep. He was under more house arrest kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So if Philemon was a functioning member of... Paul's church, or like the churches that supported Paul, does that just mean he was sending Onesimus to like bring him things? Probably not. That's not really the 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 vibe going for. It would appear as though there was some sort of falling out between master servant slave relationship. He runs to a mediator mm-hmm. who's in prison at the time and goes, "Help me!" Um, well, he's there. He becomes a Christian. Paul uses him for a bit, mm-hmm. and like probably drafting so letters use- or doing whatever kind and of stuff. And useful in the same way that Philemon was useful, it's kind of mentioned. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily in the exact same way, but this idea that he's become probably as, because Philemon's probably an important figure in the church. They use his house for uh, for worship yes. and for prayer and, or, and for services kind of thing. That he probably also became a, almost a leader and a strong believer in God, and that might be what it's referencing. Useful in that way. Yeah, I don't, I, don't know. I don't follow that, but sure, I don't disagree. Like, well, no, I don't. Dis- I disagree, but I don't know why. <laughs> All right. Um, you can be wrong. It's fine. It's fine. No. I've been wrong before. <laughs> Probably will be again. But, um, well, we, we've been talking about the name of Anismus, and just one quick thing on that is that uh, Paul talks a little bit about... Um, We've said, like, he's useful. He was not useful to you before, and he was, now he's become useful to me, and hopefully he'll be useful to you again. Um, again, Anismus means useful, the servant that is useful. That's why a lot of slaves were called Anismus, because they were useful. He ran away because he was not useful, became useful, and now he's returning 
as an isthmus, mm-hmm. as the name. It's yeah. this play, play on words. It's kind of funny. It is also, funny. if it's his name, it's his name, right? It is. Like, my name means messenger of God, but I didn't have to become a pastor. Sure. Like, it's, 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 more just how many, it's, yeah. it's more just how he uses the words and how often he does. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, probably the same thing, maybe even with brother, where Philemon means brother brother who kisses if you want to go that far yes brother Kiss, who kisses well, kissy yes. man yeah and here's here's a thing people are gonna be like oh it's an idiom right mm. sorry that's a a pun yeah technically it's not because onesimus does mean useful profitable or useful but the word useful used is eucharist eucharistos yeah it ties it into the eucharist yeah i know yeah um easily used <laughs> or useful yeah I didn't want to do the etymological yeah. <laughs> run down into that and get lost. It's just people, I for one, this is mostly for me, people <laughs> like me. I like it when puns are used. Because like when, like, I like I liked it when God, he's he made uh, Adam from the dirt, right? And then you read it in Hebrew and it's, he made Adam out of Adama, mm-hmm. right? right? It's like clearly there's a pun right here not in our version of it but in the key dirt and thing dirt man yeah. um whereas however in this case it's not being used it's more of a meaning right. purpose thing not an actual word pun well, paul definitely tries to make it a play on words yeah yeah and he's a smart guy yeah so this all comes together and like the biggest question is going to be hey christian slavery what's that all about hey that's a bummer yeah. And it's um it's tough to talk about slavery in the Bible, but I feel like we've done a, a decent job of it tonight. Maybe maybe we haven't, but uh we'll see what the comments say if there's any comments yeah. at all. Well, what, um, well, it's interesting cuz Paul puts forward an not a deconstruction mm-hmm. of the Roman slave system. Mm-hmm. Uh and its economic mm-hmm. support. Like it supported mass amounts of uh both the Roman war machine and its economic it base. Fundamental to every society yeah. before abolitionism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Paul doesn't address, like, full-bore attack that. Yeah. He does go, he does, he subverts it in that concept of, well, everyone who is in Christ is a brother. Yeah. So why is anyone lesser? Why is anyone greater? Why? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then arguably lays the seeds for yep. the abolition was, of slavery. Yeah, and it was like a lot of people have used this book in many different ways when it comes to slavery. Initially, it was used in promoting slavery uh, back during abolitionism times in the se- late 1700s. Before that. Well, even even before that, but even up to that point, um, even up to the 1800s, it was used pro-slavery uh, because like Paul doesn't denounce it, that I, kind of thing. I would also like to point out that, that there are instances of specifically city-states um, since the fall of the Roman Empire to 17th century, where um, they uh, they move away from slavery. Yep. F- for many reasons. Well, the church, um, the church did even in the medieval times, kind of. It just the, they attempted to. Um, there's yeah. Tom Holland, uh, historian. Uh, I believe it's I believe it's him. So maybe I shouldn't lift, lift his name. Um, makes a comment, something like uh, give. Economic and uh, 
political stability to a Christian civilization for 200 years, and they will start making their way to abolition of slavery. Absolutely. Um, but in human history, we don't often get 200 years of, of economic yep. and yep. political stability. Yeah, it took until the, the Industrial Revolution, really, because that meant that not enough, that you didn't need as many people working. Yes. <laughs> I don't even know if I can continue on that point. I mean, the reinstatement of slavery after the, well, I'll say the fall of the Catholic Church in the Middle Ages after the Black Plague, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you get to, like, the, the Age of Enlightenment type deal, when you can finally start getting these um, old works, I, I believe it was Dan Carlin was doing a presentation on uh, on slavery, and his whole thing was like, hey, man, before you had toasters, you needed the slave, right? <laughs> like, just like the most basic ideas um, in, in culture needed um, slaves to, to keep them working. And it was actually after the church started to lose um, control of the state that it was these old philosophical ideas from the Roman civilization um, that came back in and... and uh, started reinstituting slavery. Reinstituting slavery, yeah. yeah. And I would argue worse than before. Yes. Um, that's kind yeah. of the tipping yeah. point. Yeah, it also, it also had to do a lot with colonialism and stuff and how imperialism kind of affected that with this idea of, like, we're the more important and the less important peoples. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, and they had the... Yeah. And there was the idea of they need manpower for the new world. Well, the thing is that, that was, every... Yeah, every society has had... In all, all of history has had those in the lower. It just, it's changed what defines it. Even after the abolition of slavery, it then was a lot of uh, coal workers, uh, industrial workers, especially children, who were barely paid anything. Mm -hmm. yeah. But it's, in, it's interesting that in that... It's the same thing, pretty much. When people have weaponized this book to support that, they do such a poor job in that they only talk about, well, Paul sent him back... Yep, that's it. That's the point. That's the yeah. that's the line. Yeah, and it doesn't. Re it's they don't read the message of yep. what Paul's presenting that's or the nuance of what Paul's presenting. Absolutely, in it. because that's what I was going to say. Is that yeah, a lot of people promoted Philemon as pro-slavery up and like Deuteronomy and other parts of the Bible. But then, as the abolitionism got more popular, people started using Philemon against slavery because the messages in it are very against slavery, not in terms of abolitionism explicitly because that's not Paul's, Paul's goal but this idea that every single man has worth and if every man has yeah. worth and is a brother of Christ who are we to enslave them kind of idea yeah. but it also shows that throughout history the hermeneutic applied to Philemon is economically informed right as soon as it becomes like you said 200 years of yeah. economic stability right. then it becomes oh this is against slavery and then if it's beneficial they say oh it's pro-slavery and it's back and forth um by the masses yeah by the masses and, and yeah. sometimes they would instate rules that kind of hit halfway where it's like hey um only was it christians can only own christian slaves or something like that there was there was a whole in, thing. in certain places yeah. in, in in europe it's also it's also worth noting that um there's a lot of things that uh, christianity operates like water and it will fit into that certain culture. Yes. Um, yeah. And then f manifest itself differently in a different culture. Mm -hmm. um, however, Christianity also starts to transform that culture. That it starts to erode it. Yeah. yeah. yeah Those underlying principles and ideas yeah. that um, gets down to. But Christianity isn't isn't culturally based. It doesn't yep. it doesn't have to manifest itself in a very Western way. Yeah. Historically, it hasn't. And so always. 
Christianity was culturally like revolutionary in uh, in the uh, Greco-Roman world, mm-hmm. but then it also, as I think a couple of us said earlier, it lays the seeds for further erosion. Yeah. Um, well, even even in this time that Paul's writing, but a little bit later, more just second century, first century Christianity. You have a lot of Christians who weren't against slavery because, again, Colossians even talks about slavery to a little bit, about being a good servant to your masters kind of idea. And Ephesians. Ephesians gets Ephesians. into that. Um, um, but it's it's this idea that um, the Christians of the time would often buy other Christians out of slavery. Um, they would sell themselves into slavery to help other people. The, the relationship of Christians to slaves of the time was different from how we perceive it. It is. And it moves towards this idea of the only slave that you can really keep in slavery is yourself. Uh, (laughs) You can't really condemn another person to slavery if you're a Christian. And there's, yeah, again, that buying other Christians out of slavery so they can become free might not necessarily because they like freedom's the primary goal, but this idea that they're they're a person, they're a brother in Christ, we should treat it like them. Um, And it affects society. Well, Anna, I, th- I think it would be remiss for us to, because we've talked about slavery in every period except for right now. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And we as Christians today have a different struggle with slavery because it's not, we don't see it, but we still benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and not Christians, I mean the, the West. Yeah. And specifically that's like in fashion, in manufacturing in other countries like right, China right. and Indonesia, other stuff like that, India. where there's a lo- a major portion or a portion of uh, manufacturing, factory work, stuff like that, clothing, is made by people who don't get paid. Yeah. Or paid so little. It- it's yeah, serfdom. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Um, Indentured servitude. And in some places, not at all. Yeah. Um, and so... Um, Lithium mines, too. It's the yeah. same... Uh, Africa, African sand mines, mm-hmm. uh, diamonds. A lot of diamonds are mined by Even slaves. some places in the Middle East. All, all yeah. cobalt, yeah. which is used for electronics, all yeah. cobalt is slave mined. It's not because there is a lack of mines. Mm-hmm. There, There's lots. We just don't. It's just cheaper. Yeah. And that's a horrific thing that we have to deal with. And well, Christians today, what do we do? Well, especially because we all have, like, well, all of us own laptops, all of us yeah. own phones. Mm-hmm. The the device you're listening on, right? Exactly, um, for the listener. Yeah. So it's it's even ironic that we have this conversation over a medium that was... Uh, At least man, effective. Man, I'm having a whole moment here. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> At least effective. And there's, there's, there's organizations that try to oppose this. Mm-hmm. There's an international justice mission, which has an initiative that's coming up, um, or is... What... Do we know when this episode is going to be released? No, we're not certain. Okay. Um, well, then, during December, yeah. there is a uh, an awareness fundraiser and a money fundraiser mm-hmm. called Dressember, where people just wear dresses over their clothes. Um, and then people are like, why are you just wearing a dress over sweatpants? Yeah. Right? And then they're like, oh, it's because of this thing called Dressember, where uh, the International Justice Mission opposes the slavery in the fashion industry the 12 dollars shirts you buy from walmart were made by slaves yeah. and then you ha- it's this like opener to a conversation and then like yeah. men or whatever wear a tie over like a sweater and then it's like why are you wearing a tie and this is oh because of this hmm. yeah. um it's I a think, I think, fashion statement yes exactly that was the yeah. the goal in mind i think an easy way like to 
say something on the electronic front is mm-hmm. just don't keep buying e-waste to throw it out yes. always recycle that, it yeah that well not not just that yeah but um and that says nothing, that has nothing to do with like global warming argument and all of that but just don't go out and rush and buy the next greatest thing and just have a massive collection of yeah electronics on top of like you know the like acquiring yeah. and grabbing yeah. materialistic gain. Yeah. But it's like the only reason there's a new iPhone this year is because you're going to buy it. Yeah. Yes. There's no there's other reason to have and it. And there, yeah. there are websites that show which, where stores get their sources from or where they're manufactured. And there are, there's like one company in the U.S. called Origin USA that makes their own jeans and boots and stuff like that. And everything is sourced in America. The denim is grown in I think that the one area that's not in the U.S. is the denim is grown in Japan, mm. but like they know the company and the people that work there get paid a lot. Tying this back in to yeah. Philemon, if we can, just mm-hmm. yeah. wrapping it back up or wrapping it back to Philemon. Um, <laughs> back to the past. Back back to the text. Um, human rights prop up in a lot of areas in history and culture, yeah. but. It's if you were to look at human rights from a, but they're made in the image of God. They have just as much worth. Yeah. You can see that. The dignity of man. Yeah. You can see it oozing out of the text of Philemon. The whole concept of he's a brother like you, like me. Mm. We're brothers. He's a brother with me. You're a brother with me. You two are brothers. Treat each other like brothers. Yeah. Not as master servants, not as master slave. Well, even like what we talked about in Galatians, there will be, uh, is it Galatians? Yeah. Four. There will be no master, no slave, um, no slave, no master, no yeah. man, nor woman, nor uh, any of these other things in Christ. For we're all Greek, Roman, Greek, Roman, yeah, angel, Gentile, Jew, yeah, uh, all these different things. Because you know we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, it's not the abolition of hierarchy necessarily, but the it's the that, equivalencing of all humans yeah. are worth something. Well, the way some the way. Um, I heard a passport. It's not saying that those things don't exist, but it's saying that the reality of you being a brother in Christ is superior to the reality of you being Greek. Yep. So <laughs> in how you see yourself, yes, you're Greek, but it's more important that you see yourself or that other people interact with you in the church as a brother of Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like in Philemon and like yeah. in Galatians and all of the and Colossians and all these other books, it's not that Christians adopted an anti uh, an abolitionist anti-slavery approach to either become more popular or because it was whatever. It's this idea that all humans are worth something and anti- even anti-slavery is core to Christianity. It's It embeds it within its narrative. It's the natural narrative. outcropping of the gospel message. Absolutely. It is, the, it is what happens yeah. when one starts to begin to walk into that, let's say, the, the, the family of God motif that's presented yep. in, yeah. in Ephesians. Yep, and as... As controversial of a statement this might be, it's it makes it very interesting when it's Christian nations that yeah. abolish slavery, not out of necessarily economic means, but out of moral means. Yeah, Britain lost like Britain, billions France, of dollars. Yes, even Ger- um, Germany kind it's of interesting. Course, and that is a yeah. here's one of the things I think we missed. Um, I think it's genius. We talked about how Paul doesn't use his authority to appeal to him, but on the basis of love. Mm-hmm. right yeah he backhands his authority yeah. he reminds yes. him it's there no but but that's the point he's living by example for philemon mm-hmm. 
Yeah. He's saying, mm-hmm. I'm not going to use my authority right. even though I could on you. Well, it's also interesting. So you, you have authority We're over Onesimus, yeah. but don't use it. Just like I'm not using it on you. I'm asking you as a brother out of love to accept release my him as a brother out of love. Yep. Do as I do. Yep. Which, which is very similar because you have not the exact same yeah. motif, but you have the same motif with Jesus. Yes. He comes mm-hmm. as a as a as a as a friend as a yeah. as a as a as brother a as a person. as a wanting to not coming as the judgment as the the, yeah. the judging son of god which will yeah. happen yes. but he, he but he comes to to submit to save to yeah all yeah. of those sort of things to set free I, yeah and it's just it's cool yeah it's cool yeah um yeah authority but um what else do we got we have we're getting to the to the tail end here christian love love man no we already talked about that okay um the authority of mentors paul doesn't we already talked about that yeah we just we we covered everything everything it's it's a short book josh yeah i'm I'm surprised that we talked for this long about it but i like what we've talked about yeah it's spurred on good conversation um we bring up organizations and we bring up all these things and and you know we're not going to pretend that we're the most conscious buyers in the in the universe we don't mean to get all high and mighty in that but again if paul's rebuke truly comes out of christian love then our own christian love should also incorporate some of these same principles right um and maybe it was more obvious in the past but in the current day yeah we have to be conscious people of god and not benefit off we actually have to work to be conscious about it yeah i mean i would argue that um slavery and gambling are also anyways i won't get into that it's a Mm. whole thing where you're benefiting off of somebody else's work um for unjust gain but it's a whole thing but it's just it's the it's the the society has done well in hiding it yeah like it's it's away from us it's across an ocean Mm -hmm. like well exactly yeah and that, that's part of, part of the problem as well. Yeah. That's a lot of uh, political movements of the early 2000s were like neoconservatives was, was yeah. this idea of bringing, and even neoliberals, yeah. bringing liberty to everywhere so that they can enjoy the same liberties that we have is the primary reason. It just doesn't work unless people want it. Yeah. And, it's, and you see yeah, things right. like, yeah. like assembled in California, mm-hmm. but, it's, but the, the, the pieces weren't made here. Yeah. Like stuff like that. There, there's a there's a a rhetoric that's mm-hmm. used to make us to help us not see. So Love. I would hope if you take one thing away from the reading and pseudo preaching of Philemon that we've done tonight, um, would be maintaining Christian love in a culture that doesn't see everyone as equals. Is that cool? Yeah. Can we all agree yeah. on that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Well, this has been the Second Rate Saints podcast. Um, we're trying to get a more uh, noticeable online presence, so I'm going to ask that you guys check out our blog on our website. Uh, we're on Spotify, we're on YouTube, we're on Instagram. Um, yeah, check us out. Make sure you're following us for updates. We have a lot of good questions going on, uh, a lot of things during the week. Uh, we also have blog posts coming up. I believe that's every two weeks we're going to try for it. Um, you know, it's a new thing, so we'll see what kind of response we get. But uh, hope to hear from you all. Thanks for listening this far. Um, you've been a great listener. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Let's just end it.
Oh, 